What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. This week, we're going to be analyzing and predicting the Rosenstrike versus Gain card going down tomorrow night, February 27, 2021. This card only has 10 fights, and it p- takes place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week, I only predicted 6 out of 12 fights correctly on the podcast, but I did have a great week on my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. I profited 5 units and won 5 out of 6 of my track bets. That just goes to show that MMA betting is about a lot more than just picking winners and predicting the fights correctly. It's about value. It's about percentages. For instance, last week I picked Draco Rodriguez to win on the podcast, but I bet on Alamin Zahabi saying that the value was on him. And sure enough, Zahabi came through and won that fight by knockout. So if you're listening to the podcast to tail some bets, don't just tail and bet on who I picked to win the fight is my official prediction. Listen to who I say the value is on because... Betting in MMA is not about picking who you think is going to win. It's about betting on who you think the value is on and where the value in the percentages lies. So with that being said, we're going to get into the first fight on this card. It is in the light heavyweight division. We have Dustin Jacoby, who is the minus 180 favorite versus Maxim Grishin as the plus 155 underdog. I think this line is about right. I'd say Jacoby is the much better striker of the two. I give him a pretty significant distance striking advantage. Grishin isn't a terrible striker. He just tends to have very low volume. He's kind of inconsistent with his offense at times. And when the fight is at distance, I definitely trust Jacoby to be throwing more volume and to be landing more effective strikes. If Grishin wants to win the fight, he's going to have to get the fight in the clinch to push Jacoby against the cage to take Jacoby down. And Jacoby hasn't really been tested against good grapplers lately. Of course, he comes from a kickboxing background. He took a long time off of MMA. We have seen him stuff some takedowns in his past few MMA fights, but we haven't really seen him go against a good grappler. So it's possible that Grishin is able to get him down and outgrapple him here, but I'm not relying on him to do so. I just haven't seen enough grappling consistency from Grishin to trust him to wrestle here effectively. So the pick for me is going to be Jacoby to stuff takedowns and to outstrike Grishin. In terms of money line for this fight, I'd probably say it's Jacoby or pass. I don't think there's much value on Grishin's money line at these odds. I think Grishin can only really win by decision or submission, so maybe look to play some of his props instead. And for Jacoby's props, I like the round three slash decision prop available on FanDuel Betfair plus 155 for Jacoby to win in round three or by decision. Jacoby doesn't have the most power. He was beaten up on a few of his opponents lately really badly and still didn't end up finishing them. So I think there's a good chance this fight does go later into the fight. We get to see it probably go to a decision where Jacoby lands the more effective strikes and avoids getting taken down. So the pick is Jacoby decision here. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Ronnie Lawrence as the minus 155 favorite taking on Vince Cachero as the plus 135 underdog. Both these guys are pretty inexperienced. I'd say this is a pretty low level fight and I give a grappling advantage to Lawrence and I give a striking advantage to Cachero. When the fight is on the feet, I think Cachero has the better offense, better technique striking. So I think he will be landing a little bit cleaner, but Lawrence comes forward and he throws volume on the feet. He has really bad boxing defense. He gets lit up with strikes and can't really avoid punches coming at him at all but he will come at you and try to attempt to throw volume he trusts his durability his chin and he comes forward non-stop Cachero does have problems with his takedown defense he was taken down by Garcia just about a year ago and I think Garcia is a pretty low level fighter and the fact that Cachero got taken down and held down by him for two minutes I think is a really bad sign Lawrence looked pretty solid in his past two decision victories. He outstruck his opponents for the short time the fight was on the feet. He hit a lot of takedowns. He didn't keep top position for very long. 
He doesn't have a good top game. His opponents tend to stand up pretty quickly, but he can shoot a high amount of takedowns. It seems like he has a good gas tank, and I think that that's enough of a reason for me to pick Lawrence here. I've seen bad things in terms of takedown defense from Conchero, and I think Lawrence just attempting a lot of takedowns and having a good gas tank is enough for me to rely on him to win here. It's not a confident pick because this is a low-level fight, as I mentioned earlier. So my official pick is going to be Lawrence by decision. He doesn't really do much with his top position, and I think that he will just win by hitting a lot of takedowns and being the more active and aggressive fighter. But a prop for this fight I like is the Cachero knockout prop at plus 900. As I mentioned, Lawrence doesn't really defend strikes well. I think Cachero is the better striker and might have a little more power behind his strikes. So if Lawrence is doing that typical thing he does where he charges in recklessly without much defense looking to get inside, he might get counterpunched and knocked out here by Cachero. So I like that Cachero knockout prop for a stab even though I ultimately will be picking Lawrence by decision. And in terms of money line for this fight, I think the line is accurate. I do give Lawrence about 60% chance here. So it's about accurate. I'd say pass in the money line on both sides here and just stab on some props. Uh, maybe Lawrence decision or Cachero knockout. The next fight is in the women's bantamweight division. We have Sabina Mazzo as the minus 208 favorite to Alexis Davis as the plus 178 underdog. I think this line is a bit wide. The value is on Alexis Davis as the underdog here. Both these women are moving up in weight, and Davis has fought at 135 before, but this is the first time that Mazo has fought at that weight class. In the striking here, I give Mazo a slight advantage. I think she is the better distance and clinch striker, but she's not really good when she's on the back foot. When her opponents pressure her and put up volume, she doesn't really do well. She drops some rounds to JJ Aldridge, to Justine Kish. Mary Miraz was able to defeat her by decision. So Mazo is not a good minute winner, and she kind of relies on those big power strikes in the feet to hurt her opponents. And she doesn't really have consistent volume. So I think that even though Mazo is the better striker, I think Davis will compete on the feet. She's going to push Mazo backwards. What Davis really wants, though, is to get this fight to the floor where she should have a grappling advantage. Davis doesn't have the best takedowns per se, but she is good at catching kicks. She's done that to a few of her opponents recently, Viviana Araujo and Jennifer Maya. And in terms of competition, Alexis Davis is actually getting a really big step down in competition here. She's fought some of the best fighters at the 125-pound weight class and is getting a bit of an easier test here against Mazo. I'm not super confident in Alexis Davis to pull off the victory, but I do think that she will look like the value side. She's very tough on the feet. Even if she's getting outstruck, she will continue to come forward, try to close that distance and try to get this fight to the floor. And if she can get Mazo on her back, Mazo is really bad at getting off her back, has gotten stuck on her back in guard for a lot of time in the UFC. So I think there's a good chance that if Davis gets her down, that could be the entire round. She might even possibly find a submission on the mat somewhere. So there's no way I could be laying that minus 200 on Mazo when she's so inconsistent with her volume she's kind of relying on power shots she's not really good on the back foot and she doesn't have good defensive grappling or get up so i think there's way too many red flags to be betting on mazo here so in terms of money line it is clear dog or pass i think you got to have some action on alexis davis in this fight even if it's only a half unit i've been going back and forth on who i'm going to side with my official prediction for this fight and I think I am going to go with the younger striker in Sabina Mazo, but it's not a confident pick. I think Mazo should be the favorite here. Minus 150 would be appropriate. The maximum would be minus 170. But where she's at in the minus 200 range, there's no way you could be betting on Mazo at that price. I highly doubt she justifies that price. So Alexis Davis is the value side here, even though my official prediction is going to be Sabina Mazo by decision. 
The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Alexander Hernandez as the minus 235 favorite to Thiago Moises as the plus 200 underdog. I think this line is a bit wide and Moises is the value side here. I think both of these guys have kind of weird market reactions. I think Thiago Moises is pretty consistently underrated in the market and Alexander Hernandez is pretty consistently overrated by betters. So I think we could be seeing another example of that here. I give Alex Hernandez some advantages here like athleticism, aggression, maybe wrestling. But I don't think he's the better striker and I don't think he's the better grappler. I think these two are pretty evenly matched wherever the fight goes. So I'm pretty confused about why this line is so wide, putting Alexander Hernandez's chances closer to 70%. I think 60% is more accurate and the value is all over Moises in this one. Hernandez is an effective striker early on in the fight when he's aggressive and he's throwing high output. But later on in the fight, and if the fight stays at distance for long, I'm not really sold on him as a striker. We saw what happened when he fought Francisco Trinaldo. He was very low output, kind of tentative in that fight and didn't really have many ideas what to do at distance. So if this fight slows down into a striking fight that goes beyond one round, I think Moises is really likely to take over the fight and actually start winning those striking exchanges the longer they go. In terms of grappling for this fight, we have seen Moises get pushed against the cage, taken down, kind of grinded out against the cage against Benil Daryush, and Hernandez might try to replicate a similar game plan, but Daryush is obviously a much better grappler than Hernandez. We have seen Hernandez show grappling urgency, especially in his OAM fight. That fight was pretty much entirely grappling, back and forth scrambles and exchanges that entire fight. A really fun fight. But with Hernandez, I can't really shake the feeling that a lot of his success is based on aggression and athleticism, and I'm not really sold on his fighting skill yet. I think Moises is the more skilled fighter of the two in terms of striking and grappling, so it's really a question of whether Moises can avoid that early storm, avoid getting knocked out from Hernandez in round one, and take it into the later rounds where he can slow Hernandez down, get the fight to play out a little more, and maybe get the fight going his way. So I like Moises' chances here. The current odds have his chances at 33%. I think they should be closer to 37, 40%, somewhere in that range. I do agree with Alexander Hernandez being a slight favorite here, but I can't put him quite over that minus 200 range. I think that's a bit wide. So the value is on Moises. In terms of an official prediction, I'm going to go with Alexander Hernandez to use his athleticism, his higher output, his power edge a close decision here it's not a confident pick though because as i mentioned if this gets out of round one i really like moises chances to take over the fight in the later two rounds so i'm expecting a close decision on either end here i'm going to go with hernandez as an official pick but at plus 200 the value is all over moises here the next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have alex caceres as the minus 180 favorite versus kevin Kroom, who is the plus 155 underdog I honestly think this line could be favored or pass. I'm kind of confused about all the people betting Kevin Kroom this week. He's been a pretty popular underdog, and I just don't see it, honestly. I think Alex Caceres is the better fighter everywhere, better striker, better grappler. He's fought in the better competition. I think Caceres' cardio is better. I really don't give a single advantage to Kevin Kroom here. If this fight happened a few months ago and Kroom didn't have that quick finish over Roosevelt Roberts, we would probably be looking at him as a plus 250 underdog here, and I don't really put much stock in him having a 30-second knockout or submission over Roosevelt Roberts in that fight, so I think the market is kind of being swayed by that performance when it really shouldn't. 
Kroom is going to be looking to get inside, close distance, maybe get a takedown or a back take at some point. That's definitely one of the biggest weaknesses of Caceres' career up until this point. But I think he's been improving his defensive grappling. I think he's faced a few grapplers in a row, like Chase Hooper, like Austin Springer. I think Austin Springer is a better grappler than Kevin Kroom. And we saw how easily Caceres dealt with him. His striking looks sharp. So if Kroom tries to get inside, I think he's going to get boxed up by Caceres. I think Caceres' takedown defense will stand tall. He won't get his back taken or anything like that. And I think that we might even see Caceres be the one out grappling Kroom here. So I like Caceres. I think there's value on his money line at this price. I would cap him closer to 70% here. And a bet I like for this fight is the Caceres no scorecards prop. Plus 120 on Bet Online Sportsbook. I already have a bet tracked in this fight. It's my only bet I have tracked in this entire card so far. But I do not see why Caceres no scorecards is plus money. I don't like Kroom's chances at finishing. Only really elite submission fighters have been able to finish Alex Caceres, and I'm not ready to put Kevin Kroom on that level. So I think Caceres wins however he wants, outboxes, stuffs takedowns, maybe even hits his own takedowns. So I think Caceres' decision is going to be my official prediction, but the Caceres' submission prop at plus 650 has some value. Uh, so Caceres' submission prop is worth a stab. I like Caceres' no scorecards, and I think Caceres wins this one by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Angela Hill as the minus 370 favorite to Ashley Yoder as the plus 295 underdog. This fight is a rematch. It happened about three or four years ago. Yoder was trying to hit takedowns in that fight. She did hit some brief takedowns, but wasn't able to keep top position. Hill was actually the one who was able to reverse the top position and end up on top of those grappling exchanges. When the fight was on the feet, it was pretty much all Angela Hill. She was throwing more volume. She was landing harder. She was clearly winning the striking exchanges between these two. And that's real bad news for Ashley Yoder because I think that Angela Hill's striking and her grappling defense have gotten better since then. So I think Yoder's chances of hitting takedowns are even less in this fight. I don't think she's going to keep Hill on her back. And I think that Hill has an even bigger striking advantage than she did the first time they fought. So I think this is a really bad matchup for Ashley Yoder. It is still women's MMA after all though, so we might be in for a close decision. So Yoder decision at plus 500 might be worth a small stab. Maybe Ashley Yoder can keep Hale down for longer than she did the first time, but I don't like the chances of that happening. Hale's takedown defense was actually looking much improved versus Claude Jigadalia. She actually escaped side control from Claude Jigadalia in round one. So I think even if she gets put on bottom, she will work her way back up to the feet and continue outstriking and outlanding Ashley Yoder at range here. Uh, so I'd say that Angela Hill at 75% is pretty warranted. I don't knock a stab on Yoder decision prop, but ultimately I do expect Hill to win this decision pretty decisively. I think there's a good chance we might even see Hill really want, run away with the fight in rounds two and three, pour on some volume. So Hill, round two, round three, knockout props might be worth a stab. Hill throws a lot of elbows. She does good work in the clinch. We might see that clinch work out up, maybe a cut stoppage somewhere along the line. And if Hill fights to her full potential, I think that she could pour it on and find a late finish here. So maybe stab on those late knockout props, but official pick is going to be Angela Hill 30-27. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Jimmy Rivera as the minus 145 favorite, taking on Pedro Munoz as the plus 125 underdog. This fight is a rematch. The first fight happened about five years ago, and it was an incredible fight. I recommend going back and re-watching it if you haven't done so lately. 
Rivera was outboxing Munoz in one round one. Munoz did well coming back in rounds two and three, had some moments of success, but was ultimately still outboxed by Rivera. I thought Rivera won rounds one and three of that fight pretty clearly for a decision, even though it was a split decision. And these guys were both landing clean on one another. They were both rocked at certain points from punches. Really looking forward to this rematch. It should be an awesome fight. Both guys have improved over the past five years, so it should be an even better fight than the first time. But I ultimately see the result being pretty similar, and that being Jimmy Rivera outboxing Munoz here, likely to a decision. I think the Jimmy Rivera knockout prop is worth a stab. I think it's like plus 1,000, plus 900, something like that. Considering how much damage Munoz has taken in his recent fights, Munoz is kind of defensively lazy, kind of trusts his chin and his durability at times. And Rivera was outboxing Munoz the first fight. He rocked Munoz at times. So I think Rivera knockout plus 900 is worth a stab, no question. In terms for money line for this fight, I think it's actually favorite or pass. I think the value is on Jimmy Rivera here. I mean, we did see this matchup play out once the first time. We saw the full 15-minute fight. We saw Rivera get the better of Munoz. And I haven't seen any clear improvements from Munoz to think that he is going to do better this time around. I still think Rivera is the better boxer. I think Rivera has some chances to land calf kicks. We might even see Rivera mix in an offensive takedown attempt because we know he can hit takedowns and stay on top. But Munoz is a pretty solid defensive grappler. He has that guillotine he can go to to stuff takedowns. And Munoz throws a lot of calf kicks of his own. So I expect this fight to be competitive. They're going to be really even striking exchanges. But I do give Rivera an advantage here. And I think he wins the fight in a pretty similar way. My official prediction here is going to be Jimmy Rivera by decision. As I just mentioned though, that knockout prop at plus 900 has some value. And I think Jimmy Rivera money line has value as well. I would cap it closer to 65%. Minus 190, minus 200 range. So at this minus 145 price tag, I think there is value and I agree with a play on Jim Rivera here. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Maria Bueno Silva as the minus 130 favorite, taking on Montana De La Rosa as the plus 110 underdog. De La Rosa has been a pretty popular underdog all week, and I agree. I think this fight should be closer to a pick maybe even De La Rosa as the slight favorite because we know De La Rosa is going to come in and attempt takedowns, and we've seen pretty bad takedown defense from Mario Bueno Silva, been taken down by Mary Mraz, been taken down by Mar Romero Barella. So I think it's hard to trust Bueno Silva as a favorite when her takedown defense isn't good, and we know that she's fighting a capable grappler who will shoot a good amount of takedowns. In terms of striking, I think that Bueno Silva definitely has the better technique. She hits much harder, but she doesn't really have good footwork. And when her opponents pressure her, she loses her composure. She backs herself up to the cage. And even though I give her a good striking advantage here, and I think that when the fight is in the feet, she should be busting Montana De La Rosa up. It's hard to rely on her to do so when her footwork, her takedown defense is so bad and she can't really stay off the cage. Considering this is in a small cage, that's an advantage for Montana De La Rosa as well. Another good thing about De La Rosa is, even when she's getting lit up with strikes in the feet, she will continue to press forward and to shoot takedowns. She did so in the Andrea Lee fight, she did so in the Viviana Araujo fight. She's very tough and she's persistent, so even though she's getting outboxed at range, she's not going to be content to lose a decision to get outstruck for 15 minutes. She's going to come forward, she's going to try to get that takedown no matter what, and I think that might be enough for me to pick Montana De La Rosa here. I think she's the better grappler. She's persistent with her takedowns. Even when she's getting outstruck, she'll come forward and continue to shoot takedowns. And if the fight gets on the floor, I do think De La Rosa is the better grappler. Bueno Silva is kind of bad off of her back. She tends to stall and guard and throw up submissions. She does have armbar submissions on her record. So as long as De La Rosa can avoid that guard submission, that armbar, that triangle, when she's on top position, I think that she should 
keep top position on Bueno Silva for multiple rounds and win a decision here. I will give Bueno Silva some credit though. She got taken down and out grappled for the first two rounds against Mary Mraz, but she really went for it in round three. She was walking Mraz down, landing a lot of strikes, and actually was able to cut Mraz pretty badly. Almost got herself a 10-8 round in that round. So I'll give Bueno Silva some credit. She's got heart. She will continue to fight even if she's down in the fight, and she's going to try to do big damage with her strikes. So this is a really close fight. I wouldn't be overly confident in Montana De La Rosa because when the fight is in the feet, I do think she gets outstruck emphatically, and she really needs those takedowns and extended top time to win this fight. So I'm going to side with a grappler in Montana De La Rosa here as the underdog. I would keep the bets small in this one. Don't go more than two units. I don't think you can be overly confident in either side here. De La Rosa as an underdog seems like value, but I'm not overly confident in her to fully recommend betting her as an underdog. I think this should be a pick 'em 50-50 type of fight, and I'm going to side with the grappler in De La Rosa, although it's not the most confident pick. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Magomed Ankalaev as the minus 350 favorite, taking on Nikita Krylov as the plus 285 underdog. Before my tape study for this fight, I thought that the value would be on Krylov here, and I guess it is still dog or pass considering that Ankalaev is just such a massive favorite, but I really do not like Nikita Krylov's chances in this fight. In the striking between these two, I give Ankalaev a pretty significant striking advantage. Krylov is a decent striker when he's coming forward, when he's aggressive, he can be effective. But he's pretty lazy defensively, he's wide open for counters, and if he comes aggressively at Ankalaev, Ankalaev will time him, he will counter Krylov, and he will hurt him really badly. So if Krylov's aggressive and he throws strikes, I think he goes to sleep pretty early in this fight. And if Krylov is tentative, if he doesn't want to come forward and throw volume, then Ankalaev should be the one taking the center. He should be putting Krylov on the back foot. And when Krylov is on the back foot, he is terrible. I mean, he really has no sense of footwork. He just backpedals constantly to the cage. He got outstruck by Glover Teixeira on the back foot. The Glover Teixeira fight from Krylov was a really bad look because Krylov was getting outboxed by Glover for most of that fight. He even got rocked from punches a few times by Glover Teixeira. So if Glover Teixeira was having success outboxing and counter-punching Krylov in that fight, I think Ankalaev will have all the success in the world if it stays on the feet. If Krylov wants to win here, he's going to have to hit takedowns, he's going to have to keep top position on Ankalaev, and I don't rate his chances at doing so too highly. Even though Krylov has been hitting takedowns in his recent fights, he has been looking like a decent offensive grappler. Ankalaev has solid takedown defense. The only times we've seen him taken down in the UFC was by Paul Craig, and he was able to quickly reverse position and end up on top position on both of those times he was taken down. So even if Ankalaev gets briefly taken down, I don't think Krylov will keep him down. I think Ankalaev could reverse and end up on top because Krylov is a pretty sloppy grappler. I mean, he gets on a lot of back and forth grappling exchanges. So I do not like Krylov's chances at keeping top position here. I think if Ankalaev gets taken down, he should work his way back up to the feet or just reverse position and end up on top of Krylov on the ground. But I think we should see Ankalaev stand up, get back to distance striking where he has a massive advantage over Krylov and will likely knock Krylov out somewhere early on in this fight. So the pick for me is going to be Ankalaev knockout round one. I just think Krylov comes at him aggressive. Ankalaev is going to counter him and put his lights out. So I like the Ankalaev knockout prop here at minus 110. Minus 110 means implied probability of 52% and his money line is 77%. So that means there's a 25% chance of a decision or submission for Ankalaev. I disagree with that. I think those, the chances of that happening are lower. I think the most likely outcome for this fight is Ankalaev knockout. I would put its chances closer to 60-65%. So I think Ankalaev knockout is worth a play at that minus 110 odds. 
I don't see Krylov holding down on Kalaev for long, and I don't see Krylov surviving the precision and the power of the striking of Ankalaev for long either. So I think Ankalaev is getting knocked out here, and I think it's going to be pretty early. First round or two, I'm going with round one. Ankalaev round one knockout is the pick. The next fight is the main event of the card in the heavyweight division. We have Sirogan as the minus 250 favorite to Jairzino Rosenstrike as the plus 210 underdog. I'd say these odds are pretty accurate. There might even be some value left on Sirogan at this price. I think that Jairzino Rosenstrike needs a knockout to win this fight. Of course, he's not going to win by submission. He's a terrible grappler. And I don't think he has the cardio or the output to be able to outstrike Gan for three rounds to make it to a five-round decision. So I think that... Jair needs a knockout to win this fight, so if you like Jair here, you might as well just bet him by knockout. But I really struggle to give Rosenstrike any advantages in this fight. Maybe he has more one-strike power of the two, but I give a youth speed athleticism advantage to Gain. I think Gain is the better overall striker. He's certainly the better grappler. So I think Rosenstrike is going to have to land a big strike somewhere along the lines to rock and to knock out Gain. Maybe land a big counter punch or something. But even that seems pretty unlikely because I do think the gain is the better striker at this point. He's faster. He's got the crisper technique. I think he's the better kicker. He's the better clincher. Maybe Rosenstrike is the better boxer of the two. He's definitely got more one-punch power. So Rosenstrike is really going to have to land that picture-perfect counterpunch and to put Gain's lights out for him to win here because I really don't like his chances any other way. Gain should be effective and active enough on the feet to outstrike Rosenstrike if he chooses so. But if he really wants to take the path of least resistance, he would look to hit takedowns and try to outgrapple Rosenstrike. We know Rosenstrike is a really bad grappler. His takedown defense doesn't look good, and his bottom game is even worse. I mean, he just lays there flat on his back. He has no real ability to get up, no real jujitsu skill, no ability to retain guard. So if Gain gets on top of him on the mat, I think there's a good chance that we see Gain dominate and possibly find a submission along the way. It really comes down to whether Gain has grappling urgency or not, because if he wants to hit takedowns, I think he will, and he will dominate from top position, but he might not want to use that energy to wrestle. He might want to just keep this fight standing. He might be confident enough in his striking that he's just going to keep this fight as a low to medium output kickboxing fight and to outpoint Rosenstrike that way. I think Gain could win in all three ways. I think he could fight with a slow pace and be content to make it to a decision to outpoint Rosenstrike that way. I think he could pursue takedowns and to submit Rosenstrike on the mat if he chooses. And if Gain really gets aggressive, he pours on the volume, especially in those later rounds where he should have a cardio advantage over Rosenstrike, he might be able to find a TKO. So I think Gain could win in all three ways, submission, decision, or knockout. But my official prediction will be decision. I think the most likely outcome is kind of a low, medium tempo kickboxing match. Neither guy will really kick it up into that next gear. And they'll be kind of content to throw medium amount of strikes at each other and to have a kind of a boring fight, honestly. So my official pick is going to be a 49-46 decision for Cyril Gan. In terms of money line, I think it is favorite or pass. I think if you like Rosenstrike here, just bet him by knockout. I don't think he can win any other way. Even at the price of minus 250, I think the value is still in serial gain here. If you want to lay that chalk in the minus 250, I do not advise against it. I think the value is there, but personally, I probably won't have any bets for this fight. I think the bets with the most value are probably gain money line, gain decision, something like that. But no really strong feelings about this fight. I don't think it'll be a good fight. I'm kind of expecting a medium tempo staring match kickboxing fight, and Gain should win a pretty dominant decision here. So that is going to do it for this podcast. Pretty quick podcast, only 10 fights. 
Not the best card for betting in my opinion. I only have one track bet on my Bet MMA tips page and I might only add maybe one or two more, maybe some Jimmy Rivera money line. I will have some untracked action on Alexis Davis as well. Not quite ready to go back to tracking women's MMA bets on my Bet MMA tips page, but I will have some action on Alexis Davis at that plus money price. But that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back next week before the big UFC 259 pay-per-view. So I hope you all enjoy the fights this weekend. Hope you all win some bets and I'll see you all next week. Peace. Thank you.